everybody, and welcome back for another edition of The Christian Contrarian. I'm Gary Wayne, author of the Genesis 6 Conspiracy, and this is episode 54, The Great Tribulation, Part 2, The Days of the Lord. And as we continue to finish off the last three and a half years in this uh, section, you may want to go back to episode 53 and review that and see how that sort of links up. And the process is going to, again, be using Matthew 24's uh, chronological blueprint that Jesus provided us, working in Mark 13 and working in Luke 17 and 21. That's going to play a special role in today's presentation. As well as what we're going to be linking in is how that fits in with Revelation, how Daniel 11 comes into play, and then we're going to be linking in many Old Testament prophecies as, as they unfold for the coming together with the Supper of the Lord that happens in and the marriage of the Lamb that happens in Revelation 19, and as Judah and as Awaken Israel start to participate in the culmination of bringing all of the elect back together, Old Covenant and New Covenant into one new covenant going forward. So a lot to cover today. And in the last segment, in episode 53, we used an overview that we're going to reuse today that is going to be very important in understanding the chronology of Revelation 14, about verses 8 through 20, wherever it ends in Revelation uh, 14. And this is after the last angel has preached the gospel to the people of the earth. And now we begin the summary in Revelation 14, where we get all of the details leading into Armageddon and Revelation 19 to follow later. And there's a bit of a summary in Re Revelation 15 as the bowls of wrath are going to be poured out. And so it begins in the summary with the mark of the beast, midpoint of the last seven years. And then uh, judgment is going to come because of that. And then Babylon falls, so sometime shortly into the last three and a half years. And you're going to see how that fits in a little bit better again today as well. And then followed by Armageddon. So you get that summary that crosses about three and a half years. And in Revelation 15, 2, we see those who refuse to take the mark and or worship Satan and or Antichrist in heaven. And that's part of that summary, which I think we're going to see dovetailing either as that resurrection at the beginning of Revelation 20 um, and the millennium, or perhaps even as part of the complete gathering of the elect at the supper because these who are dying for their testimony of jesus are going to be ruling with jesus in the millennium in revelation 20 we get that and those are the ones who refuse the mark of the beast refuse to worship antichrist and refuse to worship satan and revelation 15 2 is an introduction to the seven angels of the bull wrath. so the Bolaraths are going to start after the seventh trumpet. 
the last trumpet where Christ is coming back for rapture and then Exodus that's it's going to overlap into the chronology here in the year of the Lord's favor and then the year of the Lord's wrath and we're going to tie in events and a chronology that hopefully will sketch that out in a way that makes sense for for people and so we have a period of antichrist rule from coming to power at the midpoint until the last year that i think is the year of the lord's wrath so we have about two and a half years of things that are taking place so we're going to sketch that out and that leaves one year to come and at 15:7, the seven angels are given the bowl wraths and then in revelation 16 they're going to pour those out and i think that begins with the last year so how do i get there with a full year of the lord's wrath because most of the passages just talk about the day of the lord which could be one day you could you could easily interpret it that way and so we're going to start with luke 17 22 through 26 and understanding this is talking about the time of Jesus' coming with his sign in Luke 17, 24. But in 22 and 26, we get a couple of very interesting passages about not just the day of the Lord, but the days as in plural. And one of the key wordings that's in there is one of the days of the days of the Lord, of Jesus' coming. And so you have a desire for the days of the Lord, and it's going to be like the days of Noah, such will be the days of the Lord. And, then, and again, the sign comes in the middle of that. And it's plural. It's indicating more than one coming, or more than just the rapture, but staying for a longer period of time. So multiple years, perhaps, or he's going to be down here, or two years, but plural. And we get that sort of nailed down with that word one that is in the, as in one of the days of his of the days of the Son of Man. And one is the Greek word Mia, 3391. And that indicates as its meaning as the first of the days of his coming. And what that means is, is that you have in verse 24 is coming for rapture and beginning of the collection of the elect of the church. Those still alive, those who have died uh, in, in Jesus and understanding that the resurrection of the first fruits have already been completed. And those are the martyrs. Those are the ones who died in the first three and a half years in the testimony of Jesus. And as we understand that, as being multiple days we also look to revelation 2 9 for the 10 days of tribulation for an analogy of 10 years of tribulation so seven years of the end time plus an additional three as babylon is rising as i've covered in a, in other chapters and also daniel 9 27 where you get a week of years which is one day per year or seven years is the length and the middle port point is three and a half years at the abomination. And we get that as we've covered in other passages about the length of three and a half years on each side of the abomination, both in Daniel and in Revelation. And so 
um, we have in the days of the Son of Man. And let's now make that a little bit clearer with a few Old Testament passages that's going to help us understand the visitations of Jesus. And again, it's plural in visitations when we get there. So Isaiah 63, 3. And it's the time for the context of Edom's destruction, which is going to be very important as we get into Daniel 11. And the wine press is being trodden and the time of the anger and fury of God. And when you uh, see the word fury, that's going to go back to the same word as wrath. And it can be translated as fury or, or wrath and a, and a few other different words. So they're, they're talking about the same sort of period of time. And in 63.4, it is the day of vengeance and the year of the redeemed. And so you can take that both ways in terms of understanding it, that it is a day of vengeance or one day, not a year. Or you could take that as a year, as a day of vengeance and a year of redeemed. So you could look at those as two separate events or you can dig a little bit deeper into the word redeemed to figure out how that sort of translates back that it's defining day as confirmation as a year in day of vengeance and year of the redeemed so redeemed is the hebrew word ge'al uh, number 1350 and it means to buy back as in kinship or in property so this is the time of taking back of the world of the property uh, of not only the land of the covenant but all of the world that the word created through the command of god and it can also mean deliver and also avenge and revenge so when we see redeemed it means a lot more when we look at all the meanings that are involved there and this is then becomes as the year of the redeemed as an additional meaning to the day of vengeance and possibly in my conclusion and I'll show you that show that in a couple more verses here they're talking about that same year it's the year of the Lord's wrath and when we look at that word day of vengeance that's in Isaiah 63 3 that's can mean a year uh, or a day or days and it's used 14 times in the Old Testament to mean a year. So it can definitely be translated either way. So you could do that as the year of, of vengeance or it would be the year of vengeance and year of redeem. So you could do that either way on the translation. And again, it's in the context of the time of the wine press and the time of the wrath bowls being poured out. So let's move on to Isaiah 34, 8 now. And again, we get the day of the Lord's vengeance just as we did in 63.3, and you could use the same either-or translation for the word day and the year of recompense. And so we get both again, where it's talking about the same type of idea, and is that, again, for the year of the Lord's favor, or is that for the year of the Lord's wrath when we talk about recompense? And are they talking about two separate years, and, or, and a year and or a day and I think they're two separate years but the word recompense for Israel and Zion for the sake of Israel um, that word is uh, defined as in, in number 7966 as requital or retribution and to make amends for all the horrible things that have done to, been done to the people of the covenant 
And so this is not the collection of the elect. This is the retribution for the sake of Israel. And so this is defining the year of, of recompense as being the year of the Lord's wrath. It's Isaiah 34, 8. And in Hosea 9, 7, it really sort of brings it to full circle and fleshes out what I think the true understanding is here because it's so important to understand that for chronology and time frame in the last three and a half years. So Hosea 9, 7, it's the days multiple of visitation and have come as in the days of recompense. Hosea 9, 7. In the context in 9.5, for the days of visitation is the feast of the Lord and a solemn day in the day of the Lord's wrath. So it's part of the days of Jesus' visitation. And what I think we're looking at is, you know, a year of the Lord's favor and a year of the Lord's wrath. And you have this period of one and a half years after the midpoint of events that are taking place that are going to roll into the year of the Lord's favor as things start to happen quickly with the wrath bulls coming out in Revelation 16 for the pouring out of the wrath bulls. So that's then understanding that go to Daniel 11. And of course in Daniel 11:31 we get the abomination and the polluting of the temple and that's the midpoint is that we talked about previously. And then in Daniel 32 to 35, we get the persecution. And this isn't the persecution in the first three and a half years because the abomination has happened and it's not the persecution of the saints thereof. It is the persecution of awakened Israel and visible Judah around the world who haven't been, who haven't fled to the wilderness to be protected by God that's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke at the time of the abomination and the fleeing and also in Revelation 12. These are, this is the time of visible Judah and visible Israel that is going to be um, persecuted as well as all of those who have not been raptured. So towards the end of that persecution, um, we get into the year of the Lord's favor. And so somewhere in between the start of the midpoint, a fall of Babylon, uh, and the end of this persecution, you'll have had the rapture for the first day of Jesus' coming. And then he's going to come for Exodus and the day of the Lord's favor. And when we look at that, uh, the details of what's being talked about in 32 to 35, a couple of the highlights are is this is the time of the prophets that's talked about in in um, Acts in the time of the darkness when there's going to be prophecy again by the people of Israel, not the church, the people of Israel. Uh, and as that's recorded in, the, in, in Joel uh, chapter 2, um, or chapter 3, I'm sorry, with the Armageddon descriptions. Okay, um, so that's the same sort of time frame. And that these people are going to be slain and jailed for many days. Now, many is inserted. You won't get a Hebrew word there. That's uh, But the word days are, which is saying for more than one year. So using that same terminology that's being used interchangeably for the day of the Lord, year of the Lord, for many days, many years. So multiple years. 
more than one year for sure. And this is going to uh, continue this persecution until the end, until the start of the year of the Lord's wrath at the appointed time. And those who are being slain and being persecuted in this period um, are those made purified, um, are white and made purified and tried as recorded in Daniel 12.10. And that's why it says in Daniel 11 to make them white for the appointed time. So again, the language in the symmetry is absolutely um, perfect on that. And again, that begins as, we're, as recorded in Revelation 12 and 13 in terms of the mark of the beast for the persecution of those who aren't going to worship them. And in uh, Revelation 12, after the people have fled Judea, uh, after the abomination, the dragon and, and Antichrist turn on those who hold the testimony of Jesus. So at this point in time, you're going to have the sign of Jesus, and that's when Judah and Israel are turning and mourning for the one that they pierced and they're going to become a believer in the redeemer again in preparation for exodus and in preparation to be part of the marriage in revelation 12 and the supper of the lamb so 1136 to 38 is the time of the king of the exalting himself as god and a new god and a god of forces so babylon is destroyed by this point so sometime shortly after, just as that's recorded in Revelation 17 with the ten kings giving their power to destroy the universal religion, and he sets up a new religion in the temple at the midpoint. So um, as we move forward, then you have um, verses 40 to 43 where it starts to get interesting. So all of this persecution that we're talking about happens with that exalting Antichrist and creating the mark of the beast. And in the last year, as we move into the year of the Lord, we get the details of what's going on. And again, this could perhaps happen a little bit before that in the year of the Lord's favor, but it's in that time zone when an Antichrist uh, is challenged by the king of the south who rebels. So there's going to be a rebellion to this new age of peace and safety, this promise of the millennium, and the king of the south rebels but it does fit better where it's either at the end of the or just before the start of the last year or just the start of the last year so it's right in that zone because the details are this is that um, antichrist will respond and he will overrun them the kings of the south and who does he overrun edom moab ammon egypt Libya, and Ethiopia. And those are going to be very important sort of markers in the other passages in the Old Testament for the days of the Lord and, and the year of the Lord that that is taking place. And of course, this campaign has to take a while, and then you have to have the gathering for Armageddon. So that's why there's probably that year or so where this is going to be taking place. And then as he's finishing off that campaign... In verse 44, he sees tidings from the east and from the north. And the east, I think, is the kings of the east that are coming and being gathered in Revelation 16 
of the wrath bowls for the Armageddon War in Revelation 19. And I don't think the North are part of the beast nations, although they're going to come from all around the world. I would leave that as a possibility, but I think it's more like he's seeing something else coming out of the North, and then I think that's Jesus coming. Now, Jesus is assembling his army for of saints for the last battle and that's and how i get there is is that in psalms um, 75 6 you have um, where jesus and the throne of god is is not in the east and not in the south and not in the west but is in the north which matches up to isaiah 14 13 where God's congregation is in the north. And in 1431, uh, from the, the uh, Isaiah 1431, where Jesus would come from the north, as you extend in, in Isaiah 14, a smoke or an avenger. And this is at the appointed time. So I think all of this is when Jesus is coming, because at that time in Isaiah 14, in late you know, 30s, you're starting at about Isaiah 28 and going to the end. That's when the Assyrian Antichrist is going to be slain on the mountains of Israel. So again, the timing lines up very, very well. And then in Daniel 45, once he sees what's going on with the kings of the east and whatever's coming out of the north that I think is Jesus and, and the saints army, this is when he heads to the holy mountain, which I think is Hermon, uh, Mount Sion. Uh, and Sion, as it's recorded in Deuteronomy 4. And this is the holy mountain where they swore the earth. This, this is the Moad that uh, is connected to how you would translate in Hebrew a Armageddon, Mount of Moad, with the G being silent, not a hard G, another rabbit hole. We could go down another day. But the same as the holy mountain as um, <clears throat> where Hermon is, that's called Mount Sion which is not the same word as Zion. And it's why you have Sion and the Priory of Sion so prevalent in the secret societies. And that's Revelation 6, 16, 16, where that gathering takes place. And that's at the end of the last three and a half years. So again, as we move into some of the Old Testament details to sort of mesh some of this stuff in, um, this year of the Lord is, is going to be at the end of the persecutions. This is going to be at the end of the acceptable year of the Lord. And the acceptable year of the Lord is recorded in, in Luke 4, 18 to 20. And in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 61, the whole chapter 1 through 8. And not only is it an acceptable year of the Lord, and there's also a day of vengeance. So they may overlap a little bit on that on that year, but I think they're separated. Uh, because of all of the other events that Daniel is describing with the campaign uh, that we need to be aware of. And of course in Isaiah 63, 4, again, it's a day of vengeance and a year of recompense. A year of the day's Lord. And that all begins in... Um, That year of the date of the Lord's favor is part of 1136 to 38, and then we move into the last portions and the events of 
of uh, the last year uh, after that, in, in, after the persecution that's recorded in Daniel 11. So let's now look at that term, the wrath of God, and look at a few important verses on that and see, show you how that sort of fits into this end-time chronology. So you have Amos 5, 18 to 24, and that's the wrath of God and the day of darkness with no light. And you also have uh, Isaiah 13, uh, 8 to 10, where this is sort of a culmination of the birth pangs because it's getting stronger. So these other days of darkness that you're having before that are in the days of the trumpets and in the seals, and maybe even before with some of the wars and the issues that, that are going on, it's going to be like that, but not as strong. On this day of darkness, there is no light. Nothing shines, period. It's going to be black. And we also get that on the day of the Lord in Joel 3.15, which is the time of the Armageddon battle, as opposed to Joel 1 and 2, which would be the Gog War and the Revelation 9 War just before the midpoint. And also in Zephaniah 1.15, where no light is going to shine. And that matches up very well with Revelation 16, uh, 10 in the year of the pouring out of the bowl wraths and also in Matthew um, 20 uh, 24 29 uh, would match up where it's talking about the days of darkness in the second half and you know and also, you have that's where he's collecting the elect from around the earth. So it's going to be sort of in that time frame because darkness is thrown on the beast empire as part of the of the bullrass that I'm going to cover here shortly. And then you have the days of Armageddon or the day of Armageddon. And Isaiah uh, 13, 6 is the day of destruction uh, where everybody comes from afar. So that's the gathering of uh, the armies of Armageddon, Revelation 16, 13 to 16, and, and the sixth, uh, sixth bowl. And we get a confirmation of that in Joel 3, again, 14 and 15, day of the Lord in the valley of decision. So it's not going to be fought on the um, mountain, the holy mountain, but at the foot. And that might be in the Golan Heights um, or, you know, somewhere close to to both Jerusalem and to Mount Hermon, somewhere in there. Um, and also recorded similarly um, elsewhere throughout the Bible. But there's a marker in here in Joel 3 that is very, very important. And that's when Edom, Edom and Egypt are left desolate. And of course, that is going to match up with Daniel 11, 40, 43, with all of those countries that are overrun before we get into the Armageddon battle. So at the time of the rebellion of that king of the south. And so in Isaiah 2, 12 to 19, we have the day of the Lord when God is exalted, people will be hiding in caves. So just as you might look at that as a Revelation 6, it'd be similar because it's part of those birth pangs that are coming to fruition, coming to the folding of the end of this age and for the age of the millennium to, to, to follow shortly after. And so you're going to have people hiding in caves that because of the great destruction. Um, and also in Isaiah 34, 
8 that matches up well. It's the days of old and, and vengeance and smoke that go, will go up for generations because of that battle. And again, Revelation uh, 16 and of course culminating with that Revelation 19 battle. And Edom is destroyed as, as, as the host of heaven is also uh, punished. And that's when the angels will go to the lake of fire. As Matthew talks about the angels going to the lake of fire, that's the happening. And Satan will go to the abyss and then to the lake of fire at the end of the millennium. And we'll throw in a few more just to, to, to show you how the markers all line up on the chronology. So Obadiah 115 to 18, that's when Esau and Edom is ruined. At the time of the battle of the king of the south, just before the gathering and probably the bull judgments. Although you have to leave room that there might be an overlap of the second last year and the last year on, on this king of the south war and campaign. Zephaniah uh, 1 um, verses 1 to 18, day of the Lord and the sacrifice. Okay, so the day of the Lord and then the sacrifice, that's the great slaughter recorded in Revelation 19 and Daniel 11. Um that comes at 44 and 45. And in Zephaniah 2, you have Gaza, Moab, Ammon, or Ammon, Ethiopia, and Assyria that are conquered. So again, that's uh, all part of that campaign after the king, part of the king of the south and maybe overlapping into the gathering of the war for uh, the destruction of Assyria. And Zechariah 14, the day of the Lord, uh, where they gather, where the armies of the world will gather against Jerusalem. So in front of Jerusalem, probably on the north uh, east side and, and towards um, the mountain and between the seas, as Daniel 11 talks about. And that's the day of the Lord where you have the great fight in Zechariah 14 where Jesus goes to fight. And coming out of the north tends to sort of dovetail into that in terms of my sort of understanding of the chronology and the terminologies as they dovetail. And continuing, you have uh, the wrath bowls. And we're going to talk a little bit about how that's described in the Old Testament. So in Zephaniah 1 again, uh, 17 and 18, it's the cup of the wrath that's poured out, just as the bowls or the vials are pulled out, poured out in Revelation 16 and during the year of the punishment. In Zephaniah 2, um, it's a day of anger and judgment. So not only the judgment of the earth, but, it, but the year of the anger, which is the pouring out of the wrath bowls that culminates in Armageddon and the battle at uh, Daniel 11.45. And in Nahum 1.6, fury and wrath, as I talked about that earlier, rooting in the same Hebrew word, is poured out like fire. So the wrath bowls are pulled out like fire. The destruction of the whole world is going to be a destruction of fire as opposed to the apocalypse of water as in the days of Noah. And you also have... Um, Psalm 75, 6, where it talks about the, a cup that's got like red wine or an allegory for blood that's poured out on the wicked who are cut off. Again, that's a, uh, a, all of these passages are describing the wrath bowls or the wrath vials of 16.1 that you know pour out the vials of God's wrath. So 
what we're told about rapture is it happens before the wrath bowls, right? So, and being saved from the Lord's wrath. So if there's a year of the Lord's wrath, then rapture has to happen before that. And likely there's the sequence of the days of the visitation, the days of the Lord, rapture, Exodus, Armageddon. Let's, we could probably put one more in there. We would go rapture, Exodus, the supper, Armageddon. And all of that has specific time frame in the last three and a half years. So probably a year and a half on the front side for Antichrist reign and persecution going into two, two years to two and a half years because when Jesus leads an exodus, he's going to bust them from the jails. And that's going to take time to do the exodus into uh, the covenant land in the year of the Lord's favor. So then we have the year of the Lord's favor, as we just mentioned, and then the year of uh, God's vengeance and the wrath bowls. And so when we look at the wrath bowls and you look at the events, I think it's going to take a year to sort of roll all of this out in a series of cataclysms of, of fire and destruction and self and, and, and self-applied um, catastrophes that ends up with war at, at Armageddon. So in Revelation 16 2, the first one is the sores uh, that are going to come out on all those people who take the mark. So we know that's in the last half of the years because we get the timing of, of, of the wrath bulls. And then seal number or bowl number two in verse three, the sea becomes blood. So how does the sea become blood? Well, either there's going to be some sort of uh, supernatural thing in nature that kills everything in the sea, or that's going to be partially of the wars. So when do the wars start? Well, we talked about that towards the end of the first three and a half years with the reign of the king of the south. And that could be as an extension of that war, or it could be an extension of the Armageddon war. That's for sure in the last year. And then 16.4, the rivers become blood. So time frame, not sure how long, but now it's spread from the sea. So there's probably this great war naval battle that causes the destruction uh, for the sea. And now it's extending into the land. And for sure that's extending into the campaign of the King of the South or into the Armageddon battle. In 16.8, the sun scorches those with the mark, only those with the mark, and the sun scorches them. So there's something in that mark that's going to make them vulnerable to that and to having the sores that is going to identify them. And that could be also the fallout of nuclear destruction in the wars in, in 1610. And then you have the fifth seal pouring out on the beast's kingdom, and it turns everything dark. So that's when we're talking about the day of darkness that is happening. And that is for sure in the last year and when all the nations are being gathered. So by this point, for sure, we are in the last year. But all of this takes time. And then there's going to be demons sent out to gather all of the armies. And that's going to take time for them to get there. So there's a there's a lot of events that are going on and it's going to take time to, to roll them out. Probably a year that is shortened somehow by, by Jesus. And the sixth bowl, 13 for 16, that's when the, when the Euphrates dried up. 
right? And that's when the kings of the east gather. That's the Joel 3 war. That is Daniel 11, 44, and 45. After the, uh, the king of the south campaign. And you have... Uh, in the seventh, you have a great earthquake. So you're going to get earthquakes all the way through the birth pangs in the seals and in the trumpets. But this is the great earthquakes that are happening. And all the cities of the nations will fall. And all the islands will, will uh, flee away. And the mountains will tumble. And you'll, there'll be plagues of hail coming down in fire. And I think this is to sort of cleanse the world of the polytheism that has ravaged the complete epoch of the Adamites, both before and after the flood. So I think what we're seeing here, and then the, the millennium will come and Antichrist at the end of the Armageddon and false prophet, uh, they're thrown directly into the lake of fire uh, along with the uh, fallen angels. Uh, to burn forever. So I think when we look at how that last three and a half years will play out, if we look at sort of those three segments of the chronology, the reign that is promising peace and safety by Antichrist when he's persecuting all of those who will do will not worship him or take the mark of the beast or will not worship Satan, they're going to be beheaded. And there's an overlap in there in terms as to how far into the last three and a half years when the rapture would happen based on the days of Jesus' coming, but probably fairly early on. And, um, but we need to be prepared, but it might be a little bit longer. And then you have the year of the Lord's favor. That's the time of uh, breaking out the prisoners, second exodus, and then the year of the Lord culminating with Jesus coming out of the north. So... Hoping that made things a little clearer in terms of it. That's a complicated set of events that are happening globally uh, all throughout the last seven years. But if you just follow Jesus's blueprint and his chronology and put everything around what Jesus said and recognize the markers, you'll see they will all line up if you're using Jesus's blueprint. That's in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 17 and 21. And so until next time, may God continue to bless you abundantly and uh, looking forward to uh, talking with you on another show in a few more weeks. Thank you.